This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So as the weather warms up, we're outside gardening or doing yard work. There are so many opportunities for skin issues, right? And for me, it's always a mystery to know what's going to irritate my skin, but I'm definitely out there itching and scratching. But the good news is active skin repair always seems to save the day. Active skin repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, making it suitable for use on all skin types, all parts of the body, and even on rosacea, eczema, and acne-prone skin. Here's what I want you to do. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and get 20% off your order when you use code JOYFUL. Again, that's www.ActiveSkinRepair.com. Find out more about the product and get 20% off your order when you use the code JOYFUL. Joyful Courage Parenting Podcast, Episode 81. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Joyful Courage Parenting Podcast. Woohoo! Thank you so much for tuning in for another great episode. If this is your first time listening to Joyful Courage, welcome. Welcome to the show. I'm so glad that you're here. I am Casey O'Rourke. I am the host. I am a positive discipline trainer and parent coach former school teacher, mother to an 11-year-old daughter, no, an 11-year-old son and a 14-year-old daughter. Oh man, hopefully she never hears this. Um, Living with my husband here in the Pacific Northwest, doing my best to show up well for the people I love on this journey of life, right? And it's messy. It's no joke. It's messy. Those of you that listen every week, you hear me talk about it a lot. It's messy. It's messy. And today, my guest, I'm so excited. My guest today is Melissa Benaroya. She is a licensed clinical social worker with 20 years of experience working with children and families. She has her master's degree in social work, is a credentialed school counselor and trained in positive discipline. Yay. She's also a certified Gottman educator and um, practices as a parenting consultant, coach, and speaker to groups and individuals by blending her clinical training with her knowledge of child development and discipline. And she, in 2011, co-authored the book, The Childproof Parent. Melissa is a local girl. She lives in Seattle with her husband and two kids and keeps her sanity with an active lifestyle of running and CrossFit. There you go. Everything you wanted to know about my guest. I'm so excited that she's coming on to talk to us today. Our topic is parenting with empathy. Parenting with empathy. I used to teach a program that would encourage and coach parents to have a empathetic response, pull it out of their pocket, Every time their kid got into mischief, so it might sound like, uh-oh, you made a mistake, or oh, man, 
And I remember um, one of my participants, one of my favorite dads, he said, you know, you keep calling this empathy, but I'm not actually feeling empathy for my child just because I say these words. And, and that really got me thinking. And when I think about empathetic parenting, um, and, and you'll hear me talk about this on the show, it really gets me curious around what does empathy feel like inside of our body, right? If we're going to be empathetic, what comes alive? Where does empathy live in our body, right? Because it's not just our words, it's our way of being and how we're showing up for the people in our life. So I'm really excited to puzzle all of this out with Melissa. I have some really exciting news and announcements um, that I'm going to hold off on till the end of the show. So make sure you listen till the end. And um, yeah, thanks for being here. Appreciate it. I know you all loved the show I did last week with Rachel Macy Stafford, right? Oh my gosh, she is the dreamiest. If you haven't caught that, I definitely think after you listen to this, go listen to that because she's just a really special human. Um, but today we're going to talk to Melissa. So let's meet her. Hey there, Melissa. Welcome to the Joyful Courage Podcast. Oh, thanks. Hi, Casey. How are you? I am great. I'm great. Please tell the listeners a little bit about your journey to doing what you do. Sure. Um, So right now I practice as a parent and family coach. So I work with families one-on-one and I teach classes and workshops. Um, But my journey probably started about 20 years ago, actually, when, um, I decided to leave the corporate world and go back to school and focus on working with children and families. And, um, out of graduate school, I worked primarily only with kids because that's really my passion is working with children. So I lived in Los Angeles at the time and I work with kids in schools Um, And what I realized over that period of time was that the greatest influence I could have on children is actually working with their parents. Mm -hmm. Um, And it just so happened after that period of time, I also had my own children. I had my first child. And I realized that it didn't matter how much I worked with children, how much experience I had with children, having my own was a whole different ball. <laughs> True that. <laughs> oh my gosh. So different. And that regardless of all the work that I did with other kids, like I really had no idea what I was doing with a baby and a toddler and a preschooler. Um, and so I, um, it just so happened that two weeks after I had my first child, I moved to Seattle where I didn't know a single person and, uh, left my career behind as a school counselor and a therapist in private practice. Um, and once in Seattle started really investing in how I can help and support families. So Mm -hmm. I became a Gottman educator and taught classes based on John Gottman's work. And I got, um, certified as a positive discipline facilitator and really just started doing a lot of workshops and classes with parents and um, working with them in private practice. So really, I would say the last 10 years, 10 to 13 years, I've only worked with parents. And that's really my passion because not only am, you know, am I meeting my goals of raising healthy, happy kids, 
but I can identify with parents and help parents because I understand their struggles. And, you know, unfortunately in LA, when I worked in, um, South central Los Angeles, really tough area. Mm -hmm. And sadly I had to report a lot of child abuse and I was completely clueless about like, how could these parents do these terrible things to their children? Like it made no sense to me. And then once I had my own kids, I kind of understood that like gut reaction to like Mm -hmm. lash out, but having education, um, and more resources than these other families, obviously that wasn't something that I did, but I really started to understand like how challenging and difficult it is to raise kids. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I have a story when my son was a baby, pretty like first few months. I remember so clearly sitting up in bed and my husband is a, he works, he's a lineman. He works long hours. He gets up really early. So he would sleep with earplugs in and Ian slept with us. And I remember sitting up and holding Ian, he would only nurse and be soothed if I was sitting up in the bed. (laughs) Yeah. And, And Ben's laying next to me dead asleep. And I just was like, gosh, darn it. You don't even know what is happening right now. Like I had so much resentment. And the next day I said, you know, last night I really had a lot of compassion for mothers that drive their cars into lakes with their children, you know? And he looked at me with just like panic. He said, babe, wake me up. Like, I said, no, 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 no. It's, you know, I'm not going to do that, but it's so interesting how much we think we know, and then we're in the experience. And I think this is applies to a lot of different areas of life, but it's like, wow, you know, my judgment is just being blown out of the water being in the experience. Cause it's, yeah. it's intense. It is intense for sure. It's intense. Yeah. Well, I'm so excited to have you on. Um, last year I did a little bit of work and, and podcast listeners, if they've gone back that far, which I know many of you have. (laughs) I talked about Maslow and the work that, um, the coaching that I was doing through Maslow and the program around empathy that you actually created. So when you said yes to coming on the show and what should we talk about? That was a no brainer for me. We're talking (laughs) about empathy, right? right? So before we start, I would love to know what empathy means to you. Like what's your working definition of empathy? Yeah, I think um, empathy is just, you know, simply the ability to feel and understand what another person may be feeling. But ultimately, like, I think when it boils down, it means connection. I think it's really Mm -hmm. about connecting and feeling understood. Yeah. 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 And you're a coach, right? Yes. Um, So I think this is such an interesting thing to tease apart and I love visuals um, because not, you know, I, I and, and you probably have this experience as well. People want to work with you and they want to fix their kids. And then we get to have conversations around actually showing up differently for their kids Right, um, is the work. Right. Right. It's yeah. the work. And I find sometimes um, it's such an interesting, I'm just going to pull the curtain back on the coaching experience as being the coach. It's so interesting to listen into the story of the parent and, you know, sometimes the visual of a hole and Brené Brown talks about this too, like getting in the hole with another person is not helpful (laughs) because you're, it's like, yeah, I'm listening. I'm listening. And then all of a sudden, whoa, yeah, I do not know where to take you right now. I'm in the hole too. And there's no ladder versus 
you know, when I think about empathy too, and that connection, like, and, and kids, right, they get into their stuff, they get into their hole, they get into the muck, and we can sit on the edge, right? right. We can sit on the edge of it and, and help them to feel felt and feel understood, but still have the ability to be a lifeline. Completely. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And anytime I talk to parents about the traits and skills that they want their kids to one day embody, empathy always Absolutely. makes the list. Yes. Along with many other things. Of course. Yeah. And what do you notice when you talk to parents about empathy? Um, well, I, I think there's a few things. Um, so in my private practice, when parents come to me with challenges, um, mm -hmm. they want, you know, kind of like you said, like fix my kid, they want a quick fix. Um, and just like you, I'm working with the parents to change the dynamic in their family. It's not about mm -hmm. fixing kids. And that's really why I've chosen not to practice as a therapist and more as a coach. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I think most people come to me and they want to hear about consequences. Like, what do I do? How do I change right. it? And so when I talk about empathy as the first response, uh, they think it's a little bit strange and <laughs> usually there's kind of a blank look on their face because this is not what they're expecting. Right. Um, I think there are lots of parents too, that when I, we start talking about empathy and I use empathy as a parenting tool, like let's get concrete. This needs to be part of how you parent. It, we cannot parent, connect with our child, build a relationship with our child. If we don't use empathy in our parenting. Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of parents that dismiss it kind of early on because they feel uncomfortable or they have habitually responded their child out of anger and frustration. They can't even imagine using empathy. Right. Um, and I think it's interesting cause you know, I'm going to generalize here, but just from, you know, maybe the last year of my practice, the people that have the hardest time with embracing just the idea and the concept and the use of empathy tend to be men. They're kind of like, mm -hmm. what? Um, and, um, I've had quite a few people from other cultures that say mm -hmm. like, this isn't part of our culture. Like we don't do this. This is mm -hmm. not how we talk to children. Um, so it's just interesting to hear other people's perspective, other cultures, how they think about empathy. Um, and then I kind of have another group of parents that say, oh yeah, I'm super empathetic. I use empathy all the time. And then we kind of talk through like what that looks like, what that sounds like. Um, and it becomes pretty clear that they're not actually being empathetic. Uh, mm -hmm. They're kind of drawing uh, the focus back to themselves and not their child. It's not about letting their child feel heard and understood. It's kind of focused more on themselves. And they say things like, oh, I know, or I'm sorry. They start owning. Hey friends, as a podcast listener myself, I always get so excited to share when I find a new show that I think is super useful. So today I want to tell you about Understood Explains. This is a podcast that tackles one important topic per season. And this season is all about navigating individualized education plans and is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube. Getting the support our kids need in school can feel tricky 
and we aren't always sure what it is that they need. When I listened to the episode titled, Does My Child Need an IEP? It offered up so much useful information that I could really see supporting parents who are in this consideration. The host is so knowledgeable and really breaks down the content in a way that helps listener go from completely overwhelmed to actually starting to feel empowered. Other episodes in the series highlight the difference between IEPs and 504 plans, as well as a whole episode that busts common myths about special education. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Understood Explains. So check it out. You won't be sorry. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Thank God, spring into summer is my favorite time of year. After turning 50 last September, I've been really working on my physical health and well being and can honestly say that I am feeling better in my body than I have felt in a very long time. Yes, credit goes to movement and working out, but even more credit goes to how I'm feeding my body. That's why I love Factor. I fuel up with Factor's no prep, no mess meals, 35 different meal choices, and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. I always have a new flavor to explore. It's amazing. You can crush your wellness goals this May, keep time in the kitchen to a minimum, and enjoy effortless support for the lifestyle you want to be living with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust from Factor. Head over to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use the code joyful50 to get 50% off your first First box plus 20% off your next month. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50. Again, that's 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Yes, yes, yes. Join me. Join me in the health revolution and feel really good this summer. a child's feelings instead of just reflecting it back and letting the child know, like, I hear, I see you. It becomes about, you know, about me. Um, yeah. so we usually do a little bit of tweaking and a big piece of the process is just becoming aware of how I'm responding and how my child's interpreting that and how that drives their response to me, the parent. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And I think too, um, I used to teach a program um, that had empath- there was like the quote empathetic statement that was um, delivered. You know, it was always like first start with the empathetic statement and then move into da 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 da. Right. And um, the one of my parents, who was actually was a man, right? He said, "You know what? You keep saying em- use the empathetic statement, and I'm not feeling empathy." Right. Right. And so I love what you're talking about because it's reminding me that empathy is more than a script. It's more than the words that we're using. It's actually something to bring alive. Right. Right. It's something. Yeah. It's a feeling evoked in the other person because of the way, because of our presence and what you said about making it about them. I wonder, just as I sit here and listen, because I know that sometimes it can be really difficult to see our kids in the struggle Mm -hmm. and in the pain. And so I think we, as well-meaning, loving parents 
can sometimes, we want to take that away. Right. And so when I hear you talking about like making it about them, I think that that's, you know, that's one of our, one of our tactics and it can be like, oh, I've felt this way before too. And this is what I did or, you know, or it's, you know, trying to pull them out and you're a positive discipline person too. So I love it when Jane Nelson, I'm often reminded of her saying, or writing, I can't remember if I heard her say it or read it, but talking about how, you know, this is this, the struggle is the place where our kids get to develop their resiliency muscles. Completely. Yeah. And I feel like the empathy, what empathy does is it really provides a structure of support while our kids are in that, you know, that muscle development. For sure. Yeah. And I think that you're right. That's kind of the biggest challenge for a lot of parents is to get comfortable while their child is in that place of struggle. Right. Right. And knowing that it's most helpful to allow them to be in that place of struggle and let them know they're not alone, that it's Mm -hmm. normal, it's natural, that it's hard. Um, but that, you know, the parent doesn't take over and start going into their own stories and their own, you know, expectations, because then, then what, what is felt by the child is like, well, you don't hear me. This isn't about me anymore. It's about you. And sometimes that can feel really dismissive. Yeah. You know, you're not hearing me. And many times that's when kids will start to escalate because they don't feel heard or seen in that moment. Right. And I'm just thinking about my 14 year old. <laughs> she lets me know when I'm making it about me for sure. Right. Right. And a 14 year old has that skill to do right. that. But a four year old sometimes is, you know, well, she has probably better skills than a four year old yes. who's just going to get louder and angrier and crankier right. um, because they're not feeling heard. Right. And then it's interesting, right? What happens for the parent? This doesn't work. Right. Right. This just doesn't work. Right. So I'm, I'm glad that we're making this distinction. I think it's really important. It's, huge. it's an important one. And I feel like another word that keeps showing up in so many areas of my life over the last few days is trust, mm. right? When you speak into perhaps um, people that either didn't have a model of empathy. So it's really difficult to access or cult, you know, for whatever reason, gender, culture, um, family dynamic. I think that we're really, when we offer that to parents, we're really asking them to trust, to trust the process, Yeah, right. To trust, to try it on, to play around in it, to, you know, give it a go. And, um, and it's a, that's a tall order. It is a tall order, especially when it's not, it doesn't feel supernatural at first. Right. Yeah. And, you know, along that lines of trust, I think, um, as you brought that up, I was thinking about how empathy is really kind of the foundation of building mutual trust and respect with your child. Right. If that is the relationship that you want with your child, that, Empathy is kind of a key ingredient. Totally, totally. So, so on this, we're on this branch now. (laughs) As you, if it's something that we, you know, and it's something I actually was just in conversation with a parent around this. And she says, you know, I'm really trying to go in there with empathy. I'm making the eye contact. I'm doing the things. And, you know, it's, and I'm, and I'm struggling And so my response or my suggestion, my invitation to her was, you know, when you're not in the moment, 
but you're finding yourself like in a conversation with a friend or your partner or somewhere where it's easy to access empathy, notice what it feels like. Notice where it lives in your body. Notice the position and the posture that you're in as you access that empathy in that situation and then play with it before you go in to have a conversation with your child, like really bring that alive. How do you coach parents yeah, into so finding empathy in their parenting? I think, I think similarly to you, I um, usually will bring up scenarios that mm-hmm. p- parents can relate to for themselves when they would naturally feel empathy for another adult because, um, because parents can relate to something that's rational. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, your spouse comes home, they had a really hard day at work. Their boss was a total jerk. They're kind of sharing the story with you. And you're like, that sucks. I can't believe that. How horrible. Like it's very natural to feel empathy towards somebody because it sounds really rational where your child is, you know, losing it and frustrated because they have to leave the park after an hour and they want to stay. And like, it's hard to relate to that for parents. Mm-hmm. Um, so I usually will kind of go through a few scenarios where they're like, yeah, just so they can like identify how that feels, mm-hmm. how empathy feels in relation to another adult. So they can access that when they're with their child. Yeah. Um, and I think it's just, it just takes a lot of practice. And I think the more that parents practice this, the easier and more naturally it comes. Um, yes. And it- listeners, I listeners, this is one of those moments where you need to pause and rewind 15 seconds to hear Melissa say that again. Practice is everything. Right. Yeah. And I think the more, and uh, you know, this is what I say to all of my clients and in all of my classes, like for me, like we're all born with empathy. Um, some of us more natural, you know, have more of it naturally than others, but I liken it to a, like a muscle, the more we work it out, the stronger it is. So when we practice, it will become your more natural response. Mm-hmm. Um, you will start to feel it. I know for myself, I was not a naturally empathetic person <laughs> 13 years ago when I had my daughter, it has been something I have worked on for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and through that work, I just, I can't help myself now. Like when I'm in a store and I see a child losing it, I can't help like look at them with like a little scrunched up face and say, Oh no, or Oh, Mm -hmm. kind of like reflecting how they might be feeling. And it's so interesting because in those moments, these kids will look at me like, Oh my gosh, somebody sees me. Somebody hears me. Right. And I can't, you know, sometimes for me, it's kind of just fun to see. It's like a science experiment, like what will happen. But sometimes like I can't help myself, but, you know, <laughs> respond to kids. And, you know, I feel empathy towards their parents too, because it's usually a parent trying to like get through the grocery store. I know how hard that is with young kids as well. Yeah. Um, but I think that, you know, just noticing that at first it might feel unnatural, inauthentic, might feel a little bit like acting, but I think you know, parents start to notice that their child responds differently. I actually just ran 
a 10 day keep calm challenge where the focus was using empathy. And it was amazing hearing people's responses that like, oh my gosh, like things are changing. And this was within a few days, like, yeah, my kid tantrum, but it was like five minutes versus the 30 minutes. Right. Or I didn't get the resistance that I normally get because there's that connection piece there. So, yeah. Um, I, you know, I'm fully on board with you, Casey, that this has to be a practice and it has to be consistent and it has to come before anything else that we say or we do. Otherwise it's just not going to be, we're just not going to be as effective. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I love what you said about scrunching up your face in response. Um, Ariadne Brill was on last year talking about raising attached babies. Mm -hmm. And we talked a little bit about attachment and about, um, you know, that feeling felt piece and how, you know, even without words, just mirroring their facial expressions sends this message of somebody else gets me, right. somebody else gets me. And then it, it starts to reprogram or not reprogram, but it just adds to the programming that that child is making about themselves, about the world, about their caregivers. And it's really, really powerful. Super powerful. Really powerful. So thanks like, for bringing that up. Yeah. So let's 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 now shift from like parenting with empathy to looking at okay, we want to raise children who are empathetic, mm-hmm. right? So looking through the developmental lens, and I love that you. I didn't even know that you were a school counselor and all that stuff. So that's great. Many many uh, years ago. <laughs> well, I'm sure that it's all in your long term memory, right? Right. So. <laughs> Um, when is it appropriate? Cause I know that, you know, especially when our kids are toddlers and preschoolers and their only tools are, I feel pain, I lash out. (laughs) And then there's this fear of, oh my gosh, my child's going to be a bully. And then we spiral just into this whole long term scenario. Right. So when is it appropriate to begin to see empathy developing in children and how does temperament come into play here? Yeah. So, um, I think developing empathy is definitely a gradual process. It's, it's really hard for a two-year-old, for example, to understand the perspective of others. They're just in a very egocentric stage. So it's unrealistic there. You may see like little hints of it, but it's developmentally not really appropriate for a two-year-old. I think closer to age four or five kids are beginning to see situations from another person's perspective Mm -hmm. more easily Um, so it's probably closer to like kindergarten. Um, so they're able to acknowledge a different person's feeling. They also have some language around it, which really helps, um, Mm -hmm. empathize. And then they're also, you know, clearly able to step in and do things to help others. I know there is, um, a teacher of my daughter when she was in, preschool. And I think she was probably four at the time. And she told me on the first day of preschool, all the kids got dropped off and there were a a handful of them crying, of course. Right. And some of them, some of them was their first time. Some just, you know, had spent the summer with their parent and now they're getting dropped off and they're not happy about it. And this teacher shared with me that day when I came to pick up my daughter, that she saw these other kids crying and she went around handing out tissues to everybody. Um, So my daughter is naturally an empathetic person. She didn't get that from me. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, they start to find strategies to help others, which are clear indicators that they, they feel empathy. 
Right. Um, and you know, for, for all of us, you know, it's innate. Some, like I said, some of us more than others. Um, but I think another piece of, you know, developing empathy is modeling. So if you are a parent that is empathy, empathetic or uses empathy in your parenting, your child will start to replicate that. They will start mm-hmm. to feel that because of those mirror neurons in our brains. And I'm sure you've talked about this numerous times on mm-hmm. cast about the mirror neurons and how we connect through emotional experiences and how we're reflecting one another's experience. I think just being mindful that if you want your child to be really empathetic, like you're talking about, like, these are things that we want for our kids. The, one of the greatest ways we can influence that is using it ourselves. So, you know, I think there's a two pieces, the innate empathy that we feel and have, and then the empathy that's been modeled for us. Yeah. Well, and so what are some, so if listeners are thinking, yeah, well, they should be, I know you're out there thinking this is awesome. (laughs) And, um, and they're ready, like, okay, I'm going to put this into place. What are just some practical suggestions that you have, you know, as ways of like uh, remembering that it is along with actually feeling the empathy parents, but also coupled with that, what are some little tools that they could take away from this conversation and put into practice right now? Right. So I think, um, one of the challenges that parents have is like, well, how do I do empathy? How do, what do I say? Right. They, are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Coe, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, You'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Get super worried about what to do or say. So one thing that I suggest, and this kind of goes back to what you're saying is kind of having an empathetic statement to start with. And maybe you already have something you say like, dude, or, oh, pickles. 
Um, it could sound. Do you say, oh, pickles? I don't, but I actually have a client that that was their thing. That's what they said. That's Uh, cute. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard, I've heard all kinds of things, but it was kind of like, that is the thing that, you know, they say when they feel empathetic. Um, but -hmm. it could even be like, it's so hard or, oh man, or, oh no, it's like kind of that first thing before they say or do anything else. I think having that one liner to start kind of can be the cue to the parent to remember to keep things simple and not start, start talking over their child or start talking about themselves. It is also a reminder to the parent to notice their emotional state in that moment. Because many times when our child escalates, we start to escalate because those mirror neurons. Mm -hmm. Um, So having that kind of just as that first cue to like, relax or take a deep breath so you can be present. Um, really important. And I think that one liner also cues the child, especially a young child that doesn't have a lot of impulse control or emotional regulation. It kind of gently brings their attention to like something happened or something's going to happen without putting them on the defensive. Mm-hmm. So I think just kind of starting in that place. And like you said, just kind of playing and experimenting with it. Like how does this sound? How does this feel? And the goal isn't to always use this one thing, but it helps so parents don't feel like they have to like be creative or think of something in the moment. Right. It just makes it easier and accessible at first. And then once they've had some practice, then they can just naturally relate to their child how how they would. I like um I really like Amy uh, Amy Cuddy who wrote the book Presence. She mm-hmm. says, you need to fake it until you become it. It's kind of like the fake it till you make it, but it's really like fake it till you become it. Like the more that you use this, the more that you practice this, the more it will actually start to feel natural to become more of who you are. And I think sometimes we limit ourselves when we say things like, well, I'm just not an empathetic person or like, you know, that doesn't naturally come easy to me. Well, mm-hmm. you know, this is something that if we practice, it does come more naturally. Yeah. Over time, we do start to feel this and recognize it more easily just through the awareness and through the practice. Yeah. What are some other pieces to that too? So we've, we've dropped in, we've dropped into our empathy. We've kind of made that transition. Uh, and I, I, I really relate to, Oh man, I think I said that like uh, 5 million times (laughs) in the last 14 years. Um, and then, I mean, and then from there, I know that you have only because I know through the Maslow work, I know that there's some other little, little pieces that, that just support us in this work around supporting our kids. Yeah. So I think, you know, in conjunction with that empathetic statement, noticing your body posturing, your tone, because you can say, oh man, right? Like, oh, yeah. oh, suck, sounds more like sucks for you, right? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I think being mindful of how that sounds, and like I, I'd share that example of like responding to the young child with like a scrunch up face, like noticing how you're connecting with your child. So if you're, you know, saying this from across the room, they're not necessarily gonna feel is connected to you versus if you go over that to them, you get down on their level, maybe you'll place a hand on them for like physical contact and you even lower your voice and say, Oh, so hard, buddy. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that, that connection piece. So that's, you know, I go back to empathy is really about connection, but I think 
being mindful of like your physical self and how you're conveying empathy through your tone, your voice, your body language is a really important element. I love that. I love that. I think that's so, so helpful. And I, I laugh, I laugh at myself sometimes and, um, I don't laugh at others, but I definitely laugh at when it shows up in our house, the parenting from the couch, Ooh, right, right. <laughs> where it's like, you know, I bet it's just happened last night. My husband was standing in the entryway and my, and my son was up on the landing and they were having this conversation and Ben was trying to get him to take a shower. And Ian was like totally having another conversation. And I was like, you know, I thought to myself, I'm just going to go up there and gently guide him to the shower mm-hmm. and I bet he will get in. And, you know, sure enough, that happened. So I love the power of proximity completely and really getting close and making that eye contact and that gentle hand on the shoulder, um, I think can be so, so powerful for meeting them where they're at and, and in helping them to transition to something different. Right. Because they're going to be more likely to hear what it is and be cooperative when you have that connection piece versus sitting on the couch and responding, right? Yeah. Or calling from another room. Uh, Yeah. And you mentioned earlier in the conversation that um, reflective listening too, right? So this isn't a time to say, oh, you, you don't have to feel like that or you shouldn't feel like that or don't feel like that just be with them in their emotion right. and validate it regardless of whether or not you think it's a rational emotion to be feeling in the moment. Completely. You know, just validate it. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. So that reflective listening kind of naturally goes with the empathy and it's simply just kind of paraphrasing what your child just said. It can be that simple. Just saying back to them what they just shared with you kind of, yeah. um, let's once again, reinforces that like, I heard this message. I hear what you're saying word for word. (laughs) I hear what you want and what, you know, how you're feeling right now. Yeah. And the good news is this is really helpful with your partner as well. Oh, yes, it is. is. Well, it's helpful not only in responding to your partner, but like going back to your example in supporting your husband in, Uh in kind of parenting. This is something I have to remind my husband a lot. He's totally a glass half full. So he's kind of dismissive in a really positive way. He's Mm -hmm. always like, that's okay. We'll fix it. It's great. It's, oh, look at the silver lining. And I'm like, you know what? Sometimes they just want to hear it sucks. And I know, I know this because he responds to me like that and it pisses me off. Like (laughs) seriously, just just be with me right now. Yeah. I don't want don't fix to fix it. Yeah. Fix it. Don't tell me how great this is. Just like be with me, validate it. That's it. That's all you have to do. You know, Melissa, I do not think you're alone in that request. <laughs> <laughs> so great. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. What a great conversation. So I always end, I always end with, um, with this special question, which is, what does joyful courage mean to you? Oh, that's a great question. Gosh, I feel like it can mean so many things. I'm curious to, I'm curious to hear what it means to you and how you came. Oh my gosh. I can't believe you just said that, that you're the second guest in a row that has said that and all my guests, nobody else. Oh my gosh. I'm super interested, but I guess what I would take it to mean is that 
It takes courage to take risks and try new things. And that's kind of where joy exists. And I think that's kind of what parenting requires of us, right? Taking risk and trying new things. Empathy might be taking a risk because it doesn't feel natural. Um, And we're going to have to take lots of risks and try new things throughout our parenting journey. Um, And it not only makes us a better parent, but I think it also helps us to grow just as an individual. And that's where kind of the joy exists. Yeah. I love that. But that's totally different than what you. (laughs) No, every, I've asked every single guest and every single guest has had a different response. And, you know, last week, um, I had actually the show went live today, today when we're recording, but she asked me that. And I realized that, um, you know, it's a fluid I don't have a a set definition of what joyful courage means. I think that, you know, today it really feels like trust has really been showing up in my life. And and today what joyful courage means to me is being uh, brave enough to trust, Mm -hmm. to trust process, to trust that um, what I put out there, what I, what I dream about, what my goals are will, you know, that that is, it's enough to even have, a vision, right? And that putting it out there actually brings brings things onto my path that can make it into a reality um, on the personal front. Yeah. And then, you know, yeah, with parenting, it's a, it is about risk. It is about, and, and courage is also, you know, I love Brene Brown. I talk about her a lot, but the, you know, the, the vulnerability and being vulnerable, I think parenting is so, I mean, being at the grocery store with a freaking out toddler, Completely. is there any more vulnerable <laughs> experience no. for anyone to have, no. right? Yeah. And it happens again and again and again. And I just, you know, and the joy part, I, th- I get, we, I think we get to choose into that, you know, and sometimes it doesn't feel joyful, but it always is there and it's always available. And yeah. Wow. Look at me yeah, talking about joy. That. Beautiful. That's beautiful. Oh, well, thank you very much. So where can listeners find you and follow your work? Oh, that's a great question. So um, kind of one of two places. Uh, My own personal website is melissabenaroya.com. But I also have another website, which is called childproofparenting.com, which is really where my blog exists and is where my new online parenting course exists, which is this course is specifically right now for parents of toddlers and preschoolers. I'll be launching other childproof parenting courses in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, but that course is now available. So I'd love for viewers, yeah. listeners to go check it out. And I have lots of great parenting information and resources that I'm sharing from that childproof parenting site. So cool. What about social media? Yeah, so the say it's um, all my social media is based on the childproof parenting site. So mm-hmm. oh, it's CP Parenting on Facebook and on Twitter. Um, so yeah, so if you just cool. look up childproof parenting, you'll be able to find me. It's also um, a book that I co-authored a few years ago, which is called Childproof Parenting. So I've done a lot around supporting parents and kind of using this approach and philosophy. Great. And I'll make sure listeners, you know, all those links will be in the show notes. So it'll be easy for them to find you. Yay. Thank you. Thank you again. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom. I really appreciate it.
Well, thank you for having me, Casey. It was fun chatting with you at length today. We haven't had this much time to talk, so I, I, know. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Me too. Me too. Yay. So grateful that Melissa took the time to talk with me and come on the podcast. So much great stuff to take away from that conversation. Empathy equals connection, right? And our kids do not develop empathy if they don't see it modeled. You know, that I think is a huge, huge takeaway and um, one that I hope you put into practice, right? Put it in the practice. So thank you again for listening to the interview. I just want to share a few things that are happening with Joyful Courage right now. Some of you know that I am currently really excited to be promoting a Feeding America fundraiser. I have a goal of feeding 3,000. I share that goal with a couple other people that are in a, currently in a leadership program with me. And something really exciting has happened um, with the fundraiser. Actually, every dollar we raise through Feeding America that Feeding America can feed 11 people. Like they can create 11 meals from $1 because of their connection with food banks and different organizations um, that have matching grants. So I have a link in the show notes. If you are feeling like, you know what? I am so grateful for all that I have and so excited to help and be a part of a solution for so many that are hungry then click on the link in the show notes for the Feeding America fundraiser. And you can donate as little as $5 or as much as you are interested in giving. Um, I would love to enroll you into that vision of ending world hunger and being on the Feeding America team. I think I might even reach out to them and have someone from their organization talk on one of the podcasts because it's pretty amazing. So check that out. Check that out. Also... If you follow me on social media, you know that I'm doing monthly giveaways. And this month, the giveaway is for four free coaching sessions. And you might be wondering, like, why four? Well, one isn't enough, right? One isn't enough. I want to be in support of you. I want to really um, be someone who encourages you to nurture that outside observer so that you can start to take a really good look at what's going on in your life and make lasting change. So I thought, you know what, four sessions, four sessions is a pretty generous deal. I can do that. So the way that you can qualify to be a part of the giveaway is simply sharing your favorite podcasts. And when you share your favorite podcasts on social media, tag me, Casey O'Rourke, or tag Joyful Courage so that I see it and I'll put your name in the pot. And guess what? Exciting news. You can enter as many times as you want. Now, of course, this podcast is going out on the last day of the month. So today's your day. (laughs) Today's your day. Please share the show around in your community and you will qualify to possibly win free coaching. Super exciting. And the last thing I want to tell you about as we move into March is that I currently have a membership program called Living Joyful Courage. And it is a community of parents who are super dedicated to their parenting practice, to living intentionally, to putting the positive discipline tools 
into work, right? To really, really be practicing what it is that they're learning and reading about, supporting each other, supporting me. We gather monthly for a content-rich webinar. Every week after, there is a live coaching call, group coaching call that any of the participants are welcome to join in on. There's weekly emails, and we have a very active forum where the community is really coming together to celebrate and to share what's going on for them. The first three months, well, the first two months of this membership, it's just been amazing, amazing group of people. And registration is going to open up again at the last week of March. I'm going to be opening up registration again for the next three months. Well, the registration will be open for a week and then it will close and it won't open up again um, until the beginning of July. So I really want to encourage you to sign up for the information list. Sign up to stay connected about the membership. I'll be sending out some freebies for people that are on that list and reminders that registration is getting closer and encouragement, right? Encouragement. And I'm, I'll be available for you if you have questions and you want to know more about the program. I will totally be available through email for you. So again, in the show notes, you will find a link that will connect you to um, to that information list. And I encourage you to check it out. And, and you're not committed to anything other than I want to know more. All right. So check the show notes for that link. Sign up. Um, consider the membership because there is some really powerful forward movement that's happening in that community. And I am just so grateful to get to be a space holder there. So there you go. Have a beautiful, beautiful day today. Look for opportunities to practice and be empathetic, to be empathy. And um, yeah, smile a lot. How about that? All right. I'll see you next week. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.